Welcome back to the Crohn's Corner Podcast, where shit sucks and I hate my guts. I am Dom D'Agostino, a.k.a. the Crohn's Father. I am with Corey Evans and Jordan Young, and this is part two of episode three, where we pick up the conversation on inflammation, diet, and other fun stuff. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I found out about this company through uh, through a friend. Um, I'm hesitant to say the company's name because they have not agreed to partner with me yet. <laughs> well, maybe if they hear this podcast. <laughs> but this company, um, there's others out there, but this company stuck out to me because someone actually shared, uh, it's actually one of my produce com- uh, customers who signed up for the produce box. I deliver them bi-weekly produce, um, and they're trying to eat better uh, and, and essentially reduce inflammation in their own body. They don't have Crohn's, but... Uh, you know, any type of inflammation in the gut. It's bad. And it's going to cause, you know, that uncomfortable feeling, diarrhea, whatever it may be, um, you know, digestive issues. Uh, But this company is called Viome. And Viome is a company where you can actually test the bacteria in your gut. And they call that your gut microbiome, um, which is essentially all the little bacteria that are in your gut, which we need. We have good and we have bad bacteria. We need those good bacteria, which we may hear as flora. We need those in our gut to actually help us break down and digest things. So it actually, we, you've, we've heard of probiotics before, sure. right? Sure. All my doctors mention that or there recommend you go. And, you know, probiotics is one of those things and uh, we hear it, right? But what does that mean? What is a pro? This is a good bacteria. And the benefit of the gut is having good bacteria that will help us kind of break down the things we don't want there and essentially allow us to absorb more nutrients, which is the job of the small intestine, right? So, so ev- would you recommend everybody ha- take a bio- probiotic? If to a level, uh, I mean, yes, you, you can't really say uh, taking probiotics is going to be uh, bad for you, right? It, sure. It wouldn't. So it won't hurt you, but it results may vary if you take it, whether it's going to help you or not. Or... Yeah, and it'll basically help your gut. Um, So a a lot of our immune system is actually in our gut, okay, which is interesting because of Crohn's, because Crohn's is basically mediated by the immune response. So, you know, we have to look at inflammation, we have to look at the cause of it, and when we're talking about food, what do we put in our body that's going to result in inflammation? Mm -hmm. Again, um, that may differ from person to person, right? So uh, my friend... Who shared her results with me, which is you know very personal. I right? see, she said, "Here's my, I got my gut microbiome tested. Here's my results." Right, so I'm sitting there reading a chart of things that inflame her gut, and they'll test for various foods. So, so to, I'm just, why would a GI doctor not do this automatically? Why would a GI doctor not recommend this? Is it because it's privatized? Is it because Money is it? I mean, why would yeah? Why why have I, as a Crohn's patient for thirteen years, why have I never heard of this test? Why have I not taken this test? Yeah. A great question. And and again, I heard about this kind of through a friend, as a phys- you know someone who's done scientific research and teaches. I didn't even know about this, right? So I'm like hitting myself. Saying, well, no, why didn't I know about this? Why was I unaware? I've heard of these tests where you go to like a holistic doctor mm-hmm. and they take a or they, they take a bunch of blood samples or you eat you eat a bunch of foods or something and you get blood work done and then they say, okay, this is good for you, this isn't good for you. So I've heard of stuff like that, mm-hmm. but this is like a whole new. This is very eye opening to me. Yeah, it sounds like something I need to do asap. Yeah, and this focus is strictly on the gut. So sure. it says, okay, if I put this food in my body, what's the response it's going to cause? So they'll take those molecules that are in those foods, and that's what they're testing. Um, so we found out that uh, she was actually inflammatory. She was having an inflammatory response against green beans, right? So she's been eating green beans her whole life, and it was green beans that were inflaming her gut, right? So um, I think we can all probably give some type of anecdotal experiment experience where we said, okay, I ate this, and it upset my stomach right but what and there's really no way to know unless you get that specific test done because we are all genetically you know not identical we're unique so um, getting that test done and using viome um, v-i-o-m-e viome uh, is a great way to get started 
And, and, and if you don't that, have Chrome. Is that a local company or is that just something local that you heard and got sent out to like a lab, like these ancestry tests? Is that, is it... <laughs> yeah, so again, I heard about this through a friend, third party. Um, and if you look Biome up, I believe they're a US-based company. Um, they will send you a kit and I believe they test your stool samples, which is, you know, can get kind of messy, <laughs> as you can imagine, right? But uh, that's where your gut microbiome is going to be tested by sure. what comes out as a waste product. So I've given many stool samples to my doctors, yeah. but none of it, they've been testing for not this kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's it. That's interesting. Yeah, it's 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 new. Um, and uh, again, you know, there's, there's people in a lab somewhere right now working on this problem, but... Uh, scientists working on this problem right now but again this is all new stuff we're just now learning about the microbiome of the gut the makeup of the gut and how that affects not just digestive issues but a focus of mind how it affects brain issues mm -hmm. diseases like alzheimer's dementia is literally influenced by the inflammation of your gut the gut the gut's that's crazy under, right? so underrated that's fucking crazy to say that and be like wait a second my gut is talking to my brain, and mm -hmm. it's inf they're influencing each other. And that's Whoa. and we talked about this before we started, like how stress affects a good disease like Crohn's so bad, or even cancers, even because because yep. you hear about these stories about people have cancer, and uh, I mean I always heard about like the the Kill Bill story. I don't know if you heard like a lady who had cancer who like was like worshiping these Kill Bill dolls and that was like the way she got she coped and I don't know why I heard that when I was like eight and it stuck with me I've never seen the Kill Bill movies yet but point is is like shout out to Uma Thurman right <laughs> right right no she, yeah she right uh, she's like 6'4 <laughs> total badass um you know two shakes of a lame's tail what uh Pulp Fiction reference um you'll laugh later uh no so it's like would, can you attest to how much the mind can affect the gut versus how much the gut can affect the mind? Does it work in tandem? Does it, does it work both ways? Because um, I've noticed uh, stresses that have been cut out of my life in the, in the, in the more recent um, times where... <laughs> and, you know, I feel healthier uh, and the pictures don't lie. Um, you know, so when I feel less stress, anybody who feels less stress feels better. But how can you correlate the, how that works, vice versa, and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And and really, uh, when you talk about stress, which is uh, something I researched um, and actually studied in a lab for about three and a half years, I studied stress. Um, but I looked at it's not stressful. <laughs> no argument there but uh, I particularly looked at uh, stress and its effect on uh, learning and memory which was basically how stress affects the brain in a specific region of the brain um, but what I learned by doing that was that stress and the entire stress response affects the immune system right so those are linked and we know that we say that if you stress out a lot well, what's going to happen? You're, you're going to get sick easier, right? Mm -hmm. If you're stressed all the time, you're, you're way more likely to get sick. That's because when we release stress, what is stress? Well, stress is a hormonal response, right? We activate our sympathetic nervous system and we release stress hormones. It's hormones. It's literally chemical signals. Well, stress also reduces the inflammatory response in your body. So when you stress out, you actually knock down the inflammation. And this makes sense because what are people who have joint issues, you know, what do they get injected into their knees? Right? They get cortisone injections. Cortisone, cortisol uh, in humans is a stress hormone. It's the number one stress hormone. So they literally shoot a stress hormone into the knee joint and that reduces the inflammatory response. While that's a band-aid and doesn't fix the problem, it reduces the pain because inflammation leads to pain. Oh. So, am I understanding correctly that, because if I'm hearing that correctly, it's stress can take away inflammation? So, it's, it's a fine line. So, while stress will attenuate or knock down the immune response, you don't want to do that too much. Because, again, we need inflammation. It is, it is uh, going to be a product of tissue repair. So, if we're knocking down 
the immune response too much, well, things are going to go awry, right? These things are all working on feedback loops, meaning uh, if I turn this on over here, I got to turn this off, right? So if you're turning stress hormones on, you're turning immune response off, and that's going to turn off 12 other things. So in layman terms, it's like, is that why light exercise is good because you're putting stress on the body exactly but it's short-term stress right it's not it's not inflammation in the sense of let me rip apart every system of my body it's and so when you're sick and you're feeling gloomy and what was me and then you have relationship issues or you have kids or or work's going bad and then it's everything's piling on at once and then that's when everything goes haywire yeah, and, and interestingly enough, psychological stress and physical stress on your body, it's no different. Yeah. Your, your body doesn't know the difference between, if you're psychologically you know, stressing out about whatever it is, right? We're worrying or we're anxious about something, which again, stress and anxiety, all the anxiety disorders fall under the same umbrella uh, of this response. And when we're overstressing or overthinking, well, yeah, that's going to affect all these other things, uh, usually in a negative way. Now, if you stress your body short-term, like exercise, that's extremely beneficial, mm-hmm. right? So um, stress is a very interesting topic, and it's not straightforward. Too much of it is very bad. Too little of it it's, makes us you know, eat a bag of potato chips and not do anything, so, right? So, so basically, going off of that, which is another, another alone story, right? So... Uh, anybody that loves the Alone uh, series, tune out for the next 30 seconds. But um, So one of the girls uh, that was on, I don't know, season three or something like that, she had MS, which we all know MS is an awful autoimmune dis- disorder, disease, whatever it's called. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm still figuring that yeah. out. I use, so I use them both. So she's got MS, and the first season that she was on, things were going right. Things were going, and she was just happy to be out there. She wasn't out there for the money, because like I said, it's like $500,000 to a million dollars for the winter. So she was on for season two or something like that, and she was killing it, absolutely killing it. And then she took herself out for no, no like reason for MS, but she took herself out because she just, she, she got her values worth, right? So then she came back, they had like a, a a rebuttal for a lot of people that have already been on it and failed and she came back and she wasn't doing great she couldn't find a constant food source it was struggle after struggle after struggle and then she started seeing big inflammation or ms flare-ups and she stopped being she couldn't move her legs which is a big sign of ms and she wasn't able to walk she had to call the people and say hey you have to like carry me out of here because i can't move my legs because her, her MS was flaring up, and that's something that she didn't see on the first season because she wasn't, I mean, I'm assuming, I, I don't know how it all works, but, like, her, the first season, watching it from sitting on my damn couch, she seemed to, everything was going right for her, it was great. When it started going wrong and she was stressing out more, her MS flare-ups Absolutely. were going crazy, and she had to pull out very early. I was going to say MS is uh, related to inflammation as well. Yeah. Um, it's actually... Um, multiple sclerosis so um, an interesting disease that causes damage of uh, certain parts of the uh, of the cell so um, but again mediated by inflammation so that makes sense right we stress out we increase in the inflammatory yeah. response very interesting so uh, I in, in my last episode I mentioned like denial and so it's going on like year 13 and some change of Crohn's <laughs> The first, like I, like I mentioned, like the first, let's just call it the first seven years, where I just didn't really acknowledge it, didn't really care, didn't give it the time of day. And other than me just shitting a lot and having belly pain here and there, which I grew to be normal, do you think that that comes from the lack of stress that I allowed to come into my body? Or do you, do you think that because I didn't give it the time of day that it didn't affect me greater than it could have been? And then to piggyback off of that, God, I can't believe I said that word. Um, <laughs> when, it, when it became a little more prevalent is when 
I started thinking about it more when I felt like it started affecting me more and I started having more surgeries and I started taking more pills and I was going to the doctor more. So do you think that that has any truth or correlation or was that just my life panning out and being young and immature and yes and again that's that's a hard question to ask because we have all the things that you are going through in your life right and again to our bodies when you're psychologically stressing out about something your body's going to respond the same way as if you're in a physical fight right uh, a lot of times when you know we release those adrenaline hormones or things those things that increase our heart rate and, and those type of things so um Stress is a very key player in a lot of diseases. We're just starting to kind of scratch the surface and learn so much about it. Um, but I think that hard question that to answer. I would say that you know whatever you're doing, exercise, diet wise, whatever you're going through psychologically, that is definitely going to affect our body as a whole, and, and could could definitely overall have an impact on 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 any disease, not even just Crohn's, but the one that definitely is related to inflammation. Uh, I would say that yeah, those are definitely related in some way. That's interesting because when I was first diagnosed and when I was in the denial stage, I was very active. I was still in basketball. I was still practicing. I still had games. I was still, well, I was young and I was athletic still. And then I would say when I stopped doing stuff willingly, you know, I mean, I'd still play pickup or I'd still you know ride a bike here and there, but I definitely wasn't a fluid and consistent exercise. So, looking back now, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so, I hear what you're saying, unfortunately. So, one thing I want to kind of pinpoint on is, we talked about diet, we got on a whole tangent, um, but you had mentioned blueberries, right? Going back to blueberries. What was the, the, the pill that you were prescribed for your colon that did not work? There's been a number of them. The one that you were talking about earlier that like sent you to the ER? So that was Remicade, Remicade which was okay. in a, a drip infusion. Right. So so that was strictly for your colon though, right? Will you Google that for me see what type of yeah. medicine that is? On? Um, so it's not, it does the whole, I think it, well we'll figure it out right now. It, yeah. it It's, I, it would have specialized for my colon. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so my, my the only thing that I'm curious about is so so blueberries right if you had your diet decent other than chicken and pizza um, if you had some blueberries thrown in there or something like that could that have had a positive effect on your colon your colon health because um, I know again going back to when I used to work at the vitamin shop we had a, a doctor that came in there and he was a hemeopathic doctor he would not prescribe anything but homeopathic remedies. And when I heard, when I said resveratrol earlier, that's in some of the red wines, that was a big heart remedy that he would he would say, oh, I want you guys to take resveratrol for this. And that's and probably a good cholesterol, I imagine. Probably, or a good yeah, fat. Probably, Is probably, it, yeah. It ends I, in all. Yeah, so. probably, I, I, you know more than me on that. But like that's, he was big, I mean, he was in the vitamin shop all the time getting homeopathic remedies for what a doctor, what a, a normal doctor would prescribe a medication for. Yep. And in his, in his instance, he was very allergic to it. So could he have went the homeopathic route or can he still go the homeopathic route and take that supplement, yep. that, that homeopathic supplement instead of that, that prescription that is very highly, that he's very highly allergic to. And maybe that helps out more. And I'm interested in what this is because I looked at some therapeutics and things like that before coming here just to you know make sure I'm well versed on these things and, and essentially uh, the way they target Crohn's if it's if it's not surgical which is again they're doing surgery that's crazy because uh, that's not going to fix the problem right surgery is not going to remove your immune system from your body so uh, <laughs> uh, that's crazy number one I think that's kind of a um, uh, you know, an outdated kind of antiquated idea. Let's just take out the section that's really inflamed. Right. That, that sounds crazy to me. As if so, it's not going to go somewhere else. Exactly. So um, looking at the medications and the therapeutics, some of them targeted very specific parts and mechanisms in the cell. And that's why I'm interested because I wanted to talk about one of those um, 
essentially some of those medicines can uh, prevent your immune system from getting to the area. Because if your immune system going to the area and that's inflammation, some of these medications can actually block your immune system from entering the region, which will prevent it. So it's, that's interesting that you say that because uh, TNF, does that sound... Is that Tumor reading? necrosis factor. So that's, that's the first one. So <laughs> that is a cytokine. That is a pro-inflammatory molecule. So this. So how does Remicade work? It says Remicade blocks a protein in your immune system called TNF alpha. Okay. Good. TNF alpha can cause inflammation. It's a pro-inflammatory cytokine. Um, and it says uh, for what is this is off of Remicade.com by the way. So I would hope that this source is semi-legit. <laughs> um, it says, what does Remicade? Remicade is a prescription medication to treat Crohn's disease, pediatric Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, pediat- pediatric ulcerative colitis, yeah. rheumatoid arthritis. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. It starts with a P. Cirrhotic <laughs> Cer- arthritis. Ankyly... A- ankylosing spondylitis, <laughs> plaques or oh, psoriasis. A lot of right there we go. Uh, and you know anything that ends in I- in isis like that is means inflammation or itis that means inflammation. Okay, so, so like ology, like the study of. Right, exactly. Okay. Hey, hey, I'm not <laughs> super dumb. So for Crohn's suffix right in there. the in the Crohn's disease, a uh, little excerpt. This is can reduce signs and symptoms and induce and, mant- and maintain remission in adult patients with moderately to severe active Crohn's disease who haven't responded well to other therapies. See, that's interesting to me because TNF, uh, there's TNF, uh, the main... So, back to inflammation. What is inflammation? Well, that means that you're going to release a whole... You're gonna dump out the the bag of of inflammatory molecules. Pun intended. Uh, <laughs> and sorry. Those molecules are called cytokines. Cytokines can be pro-inflammatory, which means they cause inflammation, or they can be anti-inflammatory. And uh, one of the pro-inflammatory cytokines is TNF, uh, specifically TNF alpha. TNF alpha is also upregulated in cancer and all types of other diseases so the fact that they're just targeting one pro-inflammatory cytokine you know that doesn't give me a lot of looking at the research again i've been looking at the research and what do we target that's one of many pro-inflammatory cytokines so is crohn's disease caused by tnf no right so well you know again maybe but there's going to be some other factors coming into play so a medicine that targets only that I don't know about that, right? And uh, that so, could have been why you may have had adverse effects. It didn't work for you. Maybe, had, maybe one of those other things is causing your inflammation. Crazy adverse effects. Like, I mean, I thought I was going to die. Like, my my lungs were like, like, my vision was like, I mean, I, I, li- I literally saw the light. Like, I, when I, was, I was in the freaking room, and I felt horrible because there's, like, cancer patients with ports and... Here I am with just a little butt problem, getting this, you know, in my opinion, a lethal injection because this is my second, or actually it was my third go around because I had I did it when I was 17 in the children's hospital. I started getting some chest pain, so they stopped it. So literally 10 years later, I told the doctor, hey, let's try it again. I'm, I'm 10 years older. Maybe this has changed. Maybe my body has changed. We tried it again. And I like I did it, and there was no adverse effects, first round. And I like I literally like I felt so good, and I was like, "Yo, I can see why people take this. I see how I see the success stories now. It makes sense." And then I want to say it was a week later, where I had I had the same I had the adverse effects where like my I was having like I mean it was like worse than like a panic attack. My lungs were collapsing, and my vision went. And I went to the hospital, and they chalked it up to just a delayed reaction. So doctor was like, "Hey, let's try it again, but this time we'll pump you up with a bunch of allergy medicines and a bunch of uh, 
steroids and all this stuff to and calms it down. All those things are going to knock down the immune response, right? So I so I started I and then I was in the chair, and we're probably you know the the, the drip starts and probably you want to say twenty twenty and this is like a two and a half hour injection or infusion, probably twenty five minutes into it. It's a wrap. Done. Done for. So I ended up getting squatted out. Like, they brought in the stretcher. Of course, I feel like dog shit because there's literally cancer patients just watching this freaking Crohn's patient getting carted out on a stretcher going to another hospital. And I'm like, dude, this sucks. Like, we, I, thought we, I thought we were doing something to prevent this. And just to uh, carry on to that conversation, the new medicine that I'm going to be starting is called Intivio which is like my understanding like the exact opposite of that where it's not a TNF blocker and it's completely something else and the caveat to that is my doctor gave me like it's like a 30% chance of helping my particular issue um, so I'm going to check out this Intivia website here Ooh, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of reading on side effects uh, so, a lot of side effects, right? right. And that's <laughs> and effects. that's the whole thing with like that's that's I hate big pharma because that that's been my story for the last thirteen years. I take a medicine that has to be taken with another medicine, which causes a side effect, which means I need to take another medicine. So do some do some blueberry smoothies with oh. some a bunch of other stuff mixed into it, so you don't taste the blueberries. Well, and see, see if it works. So here's my thing now. If I, if, uh, let's just say all of a sudden I like blueberries today and I want to eat Great. blueberries. Great. <laughs> but is, it, are those nutrients actually going to help my colon? Because it's not reaching my colon. It's being diverted. That's true. And that's where I'm like, do I just eat whatever I want? I have been for the last yeah. six months or something. But you did say, year. you did say you are very clear the last colonoscopy. It looks You're great. It so looks maybe, like a normal maybe when you get it reversed... Maybe that's something you'd look into is maybe deviate from the pizza and chicken diet just a tad bit with a blueberry smoothie every morning or some sort of some, I mean, so, something different. Than, yeah. And, well, than, that's why I'm glad Jordan is here. I think number Same one, here. <laughs> you know, like anyone, um, you know, I've been very, I've never, I've always been worried about Crohn's because it run, runs in my family. I've never been tested. And, but I've had definitely gut flare-ups when I've eaten some bad stuff uh, and felt really terrible, right? So um, I think the number one thing for anyone is to just get your gut tested and see what the makeup of your gut is and, and see how it's going to respond to certain things. Because, I mean, how could a doctor even make, uh, you know, prescribe a therapeutic if they don't know the makeup of your own gut and you're right you sure. asked me the question about you know why are GI doctors not doing this I think it's relatively new uh, and it's a different approach to it um, so you know because on paper it seems like hey let me take this test yep what let's find out what triggers it let's stay from the stay, stay away, away from, from those it. triggers yeah obviously for someone like me that's not gonna be so simple so but maybe it's a trigger that's something like ridiculous, right? And you don't know, and it could be like dairy or something like that. So that was gonna be—I was gonna bring that up because it's like a—it's like a constant meme, or it's like one of the—it's one of these controversial. To Milk is now a controversial topic. Like everything, right? Uh, right everything, everything's. <laughs> I mean, I grew up liking milk. Okay, I like milk with my cookies. I like having milk with my brownies. And this—I feel like the same people that are like milk is bad will still drink a milkshake. Yeah. Right. So, do you have any insight on milk or dairy for that matter? Yeah. Which, before, sorry, um, I've had some therapists come out for my son and they've mentioned food products and dyes and food dyes of that uh, uh, and dairy. And they're yeah. talking about complications of that. So, what do you have to say about dairy and or milk? Yeah, so I, I think, first of all, let me mention, I haven't drinking milk drink milk in you know probably seven years as far as like regularly i don't i don't have dairy like in my house i you know i eat cheese um eggs? periodically no, eggs? I eat, yeah i eat eggs oh, are, are eggs considered dairy is that is that is a considered an animal product i would assume it's dairy but dairy I mean, would be like I, a, I think it's more of an animal like product milk, cheese lactose okay okay based things. Okay. ice so, cream 
ice cream, yeah. So milk. when it comes to like raw milk, I don't drink milk. Like uh, cow milk, I just don't have it uh, in the house. I haven't for a while. It doesn't. And to speak on that, most people genetically, uh, the genetically dominant trait is lactose intolerance. So Which mo- yep. most people in the world literally are lactose intolerant. I mean, that's what they, they told me that when yeah. I was sub 16. When yeah. I got diagnosed, they were like, hey, yeah, you're right. also, by the way, you're lactose intolerant. Have you ever tried like, almond milk? Yeah. Almond milk's phenomenal, in my, in my, in my opinion. I've been drinking almond milk. Dude, I love almond milk. You know, after a while, you just say, you just don't crave milk anymore. Right, yeah. And I, I think, to answer your question, a lot of it is kind of psychological and how we're kind of conditioned, right? We're growing up eating milk. And the drinking, milk. Eating cereal, drinking milk. And, Promotions. Yeah, and right. Yeah, right. I remember seeing Propaganda. that in, in my high school, right? The milk sure. mustache. Right. And, you know, uh, so I think a lot of it's psychological. We think we need milk to build strong bones. Yeah. But but the, the, the what is the nutrient content of, of milk? Well, it's basically nothing. Milk is a dead nutrient. The only thing you're getting from milk is basically calcium and some other stuff. You can get calcium from spinach. So what you're saying is <laughs> you milk know, you don't does need not to build strong bones. Not necessarily. Be, well, calcium. no. Because that's what we're all talking about. Calcium. Calcium builds strong milk. bones, right? But... So, uh, so how much calcium milk, is in a glass of milk? Milligram wise, I don't know, right? But look it up. En- enough to make an effect. Or but no? but if you if you read the almond yes. milk yeah. almond milk labels, it says it has more calcium than regular cow yeah, milk. So again, as long as you're getting calcium from somewhere, yeah. you're you're fine. Yeah. But again, what is milk nutrient wise? Well, nothing other than basically minerals like calcium, because all milk that you buy in a store has been heated up in a giant vat. And they call that homogenized, which means they heated it and they destroyed all the living stuff in there, good and bad. So you don't have any enzymes in milk. You don't have any living things in milk. It's just calcium. So it's a dyed liquid substance that we're all just... Well, not dyed. It's you know naturally that color, I think. But the lactose is the main thing. And lactose is a sugar. Well, I saw... I saw maybe it was a stupid TikTok, but somebody said that they... Because of blood and... And pus. And I heard it comes out a different color than it what it is in the jug. I've heard that, but it's still be. white. I also find it interesting that it's just it's bloody. the same consistent color every single time. Yeah. Well, and you know they pour it in a big vat, they heat it up, and when you heat something, you change its properties, right? When you cook something in a pan, an egg, for example, the egg comes out clear liquid. That clear liquid turns into a white protein. It's still a protein at both stages, but it's living when it's the clear liquid. When you heat it, it's changed. It's a dead eggs. Can you tell egg. me why there's white eggs and brown eggs? Different chickens. Well, the white eggs, I think they actually do die, but all eggs should come out kind of brown, yellow, greenish colored. Every every fresh egg that I've ever seen is brown yeah. or something. So if you get smashed with the chickens. White- they're like yellow and green colored. Yeah. Uh, green eggs and ham. Green eggs are a real thing. Sure, okay, so where does the where does the white egg come from? Because I don't know if they bleach it or what they do. Do they do no some idea. sketchy stuff to to the eggs? But they're so not naturally like that. Because I know like when I was in Australia, I was a chef, which I had no business being a chef. But <laughs> um, the only they didn't have well, white eggs there. The, yeah, there wasn't an option. I don't think that they like exist naturally. And and then when I come home and I cook eggs for my son, or I'm buying eggs for like brownies or lemon bars or something, which I'm usually buying for for my son to cook for breakfast because he eat, he has a better palate than I do, mm-hmm. which I'll shout to God. myself, right? <laughs> so and I I mean nine times out of ten I'll buy the brown eggs or that are you know egg cage free and things like yeah. that, and they're obviously more expensive, but. That makes me tickle my chin hairs that there's that there's a that there's a choice yeah. and that but when I was in Australia there really wasn't a choice. Yeah, well, uh, America's the the, the <laughs> super mecca of of capitalism, right? So sure. we can make money off of it. And we're gonna try to do that sure. to some degree. So uh, I think a lot of that has to do with with a lot of what they call the Western diet. And even when you take a nutrition class in any university, they'll teach you well why is most of America obese. Well, it's because of a few different things, one of them being quality and availability of food. Our food quality is extremely poor, right? You use a McDonald's on every corner, that's horrible. Like, if people don't know by now that that's not, you know, the fountain of youth, 
You go to Wendy's, go to McDonald's. Uh, you know, Which, we know that. We know that. But I will say it's so available, it makes it seem like it's normal, right? Right. And that's the problem. Yeah, and w- when you travel overseas, that's what you see. And I mean, when I was thirteen and I would travel, I looked for the Golden Arches. I looked for a KFC. I looked for a Burger King. Yeah. That's an album. My very childish and malnutrition itself. That's I looked for comfortability. I yeah. looked for what I was used to. But I want to note that my three-year-old does not eat McDonald's chicken nuggets. I do. I'm proud of that, and they're even better in the air fryer. But he won't. He won't eat them. He won't touch them. And I'm good. Right. Right. He does have a, a quite a good palate. Right. Yeah. Right. I Should mean, those so when I was in Croatia with Mario, um, shout out Mario. Um, but when I was in Croatia, uh, the staple of their diets, hell, half of them was was uh, uh, vegetables. Yeah. They uh, um, what paprika, peppers, and yeah. and and yamnitsa. Do you know what veg- veggies are like? Mac- back to macromolecules. You know, vegetables are mostly carbohydrates. Yeah. So I mean, I yamnitsa is a water. Right? Vegetables are carbs. So I always see the memes. We're not cooking them right, or we don't know how to cook. I, I think a vegetable is a vegetable. To be honest, I mean, maybe you're you could you could you could warm it to where. It, I mean, I think heat kills everything, right? Exactly. Yeah. Can you talk to me about pumpkins? Because also in Australia, pumpkin was an extremely popular topping for a pizza. Um, yeah, so when I went to Australia, it was like a freaking culture shock. Um, and it's so funny because I went there to be a bartender and like a barista type of thing, which I didn't know how to barista either, but... It's one of those things where it's like, uh, what's it, Mike McCarthy lied on his resume about watching the <laughs> Sorry, Corey. But, uh, I mean, I told them what I was good at, and I, they saw my resume, and then when I get there, they had to, like, interview me to place me. And the GM was like, hey, so do you have any experience in the kitchen other than pizza? And I was like, no. <laughs> None. I like shit. <laughs> okay, we'll put you in the kitchen, and like it's like a four star resort. Like, oh, so it's like I mean I don't know if it, I don't I mean I don't know if it was a four star restaurant. I mean I don't I don't know. I mean, but there was a there was like a head chef and a sous chef, and like they were like the real deal. Like they, I mean, they went to culinary school. Like they like it was like the real deal. And I'm just some kitchen aide that's like you know aiding them and helping them and stuff but i would do the pizzas pizza but like sundays with like pizza night and like um pumpkin i mean grant we all have like our jack leonard pumpkins right and i know that there's like like squash that kind of looks like pumpkin and there's like other i i know that there was, i knew <laughs> pumpkin spice <laughs> i knew that there was like that's all i know variant of pumpkins <laughs> but like i didn't know that I mean I know people eat pumpkin seeds or pumpkin pie, but I did not I I did not know that people like ate pumpkin as a source of food and like I would cube it up I'd peel them and I would chop it up and I would cube it up really? and I mean not only was it a pizza topping but it would be like I don't like a, I mean there'd be like a side of pumpkin like and like you'd have like a side of potatoes it'd be like a side of pumpkin and like. You know, they would mix it in others. I mean, it was just, it was bizarre to me. They also eat kangaroo, I think. <laughs> yes, they, yes, they <laughs> That's do. like us eating deer, right? <laughs> but no, I, I think it's, it's it's also weird because I, I, I don't want to compare a dog to us, but like if a dog is having stomach issues, they recommend pumpkin. Pumpkin mm-hmm. puree. You're right. Actually. It's a big thing that dogs, they recommend for dogs to have for an upset stomach is pumpkin puree. So I don't know if that's a... If that's actually just, right. Yeah. I, you just like light bulb. Came yeah. On. So if that you is, just gave a whole new research and a whole new, yeah, a whole right. new vegetable to grow now, <laughs> damn it. I have four dogs, you know, so uh, I've, I've heard that, right? But yeah. I've not, I never clicked with, okay, digestive health. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the di- the dog's digestive system is a lot stronger than ours, right? Because they can eat whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. And raw meats and this, that, Break and that. Break bones but, down. Right, right, yeah. But... I'm just curious if that has some sort of same effect as it, it helps their digestive system. So maybe it helps humans. I, I have no idea. I've just, never heard of it either. What we were just talking about, like, like the whole, like, basically the opposite of milk, would this be like an understated, an under, 
advertised thing because it would promote health and it would promote a healthier. I think it's just an under. In the uh, U.S., no way. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just an under uh, um, researched. Maybe, maybe I have. I mean, I'm not a well, doctor. I don't know shit. But Jordan, like, we're going to have to have you on again, and we're going to need to do some testing and growing of some pumpkins. <laughs> I got to look into pumpkins. You're right. <laughs> Interesting. I don't. I mean, it was. I mean, we would salt them up, and we'd put you know whatever, but we would like uh, steam it or uh, put it in a convection oven or something like yeah. that. I mean, if they're not dead, then there's got to be well, some. What in some the pumpkin? Some good effect to it. What's, knows doing what's, it. what's in right. the pumpkin? Like, like, what's what in the blue? That should be new slide. How can I write a, in this? How can I write a book about this though and make it not a scientific article? Right. right? I gotta like take that away a little bit and kind of bridge that gap and that's really what I wanna do. So great questions. Yeah. Give me something to think about when I go to bed tonight. So speaking of your book, have you have you started writing it? Have you just been getting footnotes together? Really, I've been trying I've not started. I've been trying to sort of organize and kind of contemplate how am I gonna you know, express this message and again in a way that everyone can read it. Mm-hmm. So I've even considered writing kind of a kind of two parts. You know, the, the first half is basic, and you know everyone can grab it, easy read. The second part's like a scientific journal. I don't know. I don't know how to do it yet, um, but I think uh, it's definitely an interesting topic. And I think you can take it a lot of different ways. And um, before I get concrete on it and say okay i have this i have a draft i have to learn more and i have to continue doing research that's part of what i'm doing now i think i have to finish the design project i'm doing when i finish that then i'll have kind of a a clear boundary on where to go do you you plan on maybe putting that towards like a doctorate thesis or do you think you're done at the at the master's level i know school is school right yeah and and (laughs) i've contemplated this a million times Uh, you know not to sound um, you know, bougie, if you will, but I did decline a full ride scholarship for a PhD. Really? Um, but it was yeah. in cognitive neuroscience, so it was oh. basically um, advanced psychology, right? So okay. it's 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 not cellular, it's not very physiological, which you know any physiologist is going to be looking at. Okay, this cell's talking to this and this, activating this and this and this, and on the best day, a scientist is going to discover some mechanism that you can make a drug out of to target that mechanism, mm-hmm. right? That's what therapeutic drugs are. Yeah. That's what scientists do. And a lot of people don't realize this. I didn't realize this until I was educated on it from PhD saying, okay, well, on my best day, I'm going to go and find this is exactly how this works and I can prove it over and over again. Now I can target a drug to act there. And if I can do that, now I patent that drug and I make a lot of money off of it as a scientist, right? You sell it to a pharmaceutical company. And that's basically how research and pharmaceuticals work uh, in, in our country. And it's it's linked hand in hand. And that's part of why I didn't want to do a PhD yeah. is because if you want to go to do scientific research, it's no secret that you have to have money. Or you can't just go and do, uh, you know, these wild, wild west experiments anymore. Everything now requires a million dollar machine or something. So if you don't have money... You know, you can't do it. And where do you get the money from? You have to write the grants. And, yeah. you know, if you're going to write a scientific grant and request money, it's government agencies giving you the money. And if you're not doing something or designing something in a way that they want you to do the research, they're not going to fund you. Right? So I think that, you know, the pharmaceutical companies have a huge lean on that. They can say, well, we want people to go and look at this so we can make money off of it. So if a scientist is not doing that, they're just not going to get money. Their lab's going to be defunded. So that's a that's a huge issue. Um, and it's not like that everywhere, but it's like that here. Um, and, and again, if you want to be a scientist and you want to dedicate your life to science, that's what you have to face. You, you have to jump through those hoops. Um, and that's tough. That's, yeah. that's tough. And... You know, morally, ethically, you could dedicate your whole life to something, um, but you're going to be working within the constructs of what someone else wants you to do. Um, you know, so that's that's a huge point of research. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's great that you have a conscious thought of that, though. Well, I thought about this as I'm killing animals, right on a uh, under a under a fume hood, uh, and dissecting them and taking their brains out of their skulls, which may seem kind of brutal, but you know, this is how basically all research is done and how, you know, any 
drug that someone may take, you know, this is how we do it, you know, and again, I don't like that part of it is why I'm getting, you know, kind of out of it. I don't like sacrificing animals, you know, and doing this, and I think some of my vegan friends will be happy about this, but, um, you know, it does weigh on you, right? You're like, I just killed 30 animals, you know, what is this gonna, you know, they're rats, right? But they're really intelligent rats, right? They're not like, you know, bottom of the barrel rats, they're a little bit smarter, and, and you know, it makes you think, so... Okay, so that's interesting. That's science. And you do that like in a lab? I did for the last three years, yeah. It was part of my master thesis, basically studying stress. Uh, we use uh, a special type of rat as the animal model. Because again... Uh, is, that on, is that on campus at school? Or is that is there some... Not, Dexter's laboratory. <laughs> I mean, no, but it was in the basement of uh, one of the buildings. <laughs> there is no windows, right? You, you, you can't let the pedo people into the research labs. They did uh, that before, right? Sure, sure. There's sure. a big store uh, where they, at Wright State, where they let all the animals out one time. So oh. you have to go through like eight layers of security to even get into <laughs> the animal lab. So it's pretty intense, but um, you know. If we want to know more about ourselves, we have to study other animals because, you know, the, they are the they are the research design. And what most people don't realize is that a rat has pretty much all the same brain structures as we do. That's why we use rats, right? We, That's they, crazy. Their brains, the only part of our brains that are different is the cortex, the developed big part, outer portion of our brain that gives us the ability to speak and to do logic and reasoning and you know, destroy the planet and all the stuff that, <laughs> that humans do. We have that developed cortex. But when it comes down to the the stuff deeper in the brain, they're the same. They're the same across all mammals. Right? We, That's why. Evolution, we, baby. We, we have 12 nerves, 12 cranial nerves that control all of the sensations, motor and sensory function in our head, face, neck, and whole chest region. There's 12 nerves. A rat has the exact same 12 nerves. Every mammal has the same 12 nerves. They just may slightly vary in their size, uh, you know, and, and things like that. So we use animals because of this reason. We, we don't realize that we're not that much different, right? We develop from these things. So um, it's a very interesting concept to think about, like, wow, I'm studying this rat because it's kind of like me. Right. right? So, I, you know, you always heard the term lab rats and things like that, but I didn't, I mean, I, did, I just thought that that was... A, like a disposable animal. I didn't realize that it had so much substance and had so much, I guess, to offer us. Yeah. That's interesting. Rats and mice, uh, you know, are used a lot, uh, tons in research. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting, but that's the model we have. And we have to extrapolate that, of course, to humans and say, okay, well, we got to do human studies if we want to pass this, you know, drug through the clinical studies yeah. but it all started on rats or yeah. you know or whatever so um, I don't like that part of it I don't like that part of the research um, it's not something I would want to do daily is there is there an alternative really no uh, sure you, you know uh, you know how do you how would you study something uh, unless you're studying you know a clone of a human or something right you know, and that's sure. unethical in its own so um, you know what other method do we have and again um, for all my vegan friends listening, this is a conversation I'd love to have with you. You know, um, a lot of uh, people who do fall on that vegan scale will will claim veganism because of the moral grounds. Um, but how do you how do you justify that morally when we support all these other things that we need? Um, so that's my that's my biggest thing. And and my buddy Devin comes to mind. And Devin, if you're listening to this, we got to get you on here and talk to you. Uh, at some point, because I know you're a big vegan act advocate, but um, you know I just I'd love to pick your brain on this. That's all. And I always argue with the vegans, but yeah. you know in a in a educational way, not like you know I hate you. Right? Sure, let's sure. learn from each other. Sure. Yeah. So I know we've kind of diverted a little bit, quite a, quite a bit, a little a little a little lot of it. But I mean, from pumpkins not, to rats. Right. This all, <laughs> all kind of this all kind of came about with us talking about your grandma. And, and and what she was going through, um, and then how um, the diet, I mean, I think this whole podcast was about the diet, 
So how, how, how the diet, so, so tell a little bit, I guess some final remarks about how that worked out. Yeah, absolutely. To come back to, you know, the reason why we're all here, right? Uh, my grandma, Wanda Young, uh, you know, rest in peace. She, uh, she did pass away January 2020, um, not from Crohn's, from, uh, you know, from pancreatic cancer, which, um, you know, is also a digestive disorder as well as hormonal. Um, but, you know, the, everything that I do is inspired kind of from her and from what I learned from her and my, my great-grandfather, her dad. You know, they always had a garden when I was little. You don't appreciate that stuff when you're a kid. Um, you know, she would, she would always tell me, um, you know, this is horseradish, right? This is a cherry tree and, you know, whatever when you're a kid. But um, when she was staying with me, uh, how this all started was with three plants. <laughs> I bought two pepper plants and a tomato plant from Lowe's or something crazy. And uh, I put it in this little side section and my buddy came over and he goes, wow, he said, this is a Charlie Brown garden. Right, like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. like one ornament on it. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since then, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take this to the next level. Sure, right? sure. And, and the only reason I started with those three plants is because my grandmother was living with me, right? I mentioned that. And, um, you know, she would sit out back in the backyard all day long. That's what she would do. She would sit out there all day. Um, so I figured I would give her something beneficial to, you know, to look at and to appreciate. And she always had a garden, so... Makes um, sense. So I tried to do that for her, you know, and uh, one, you know, three plants led to, you know, 20. <laughs> I don't even know how many plants I have now, but, um, you know, all of that relates back to diet, nutrition, and, and taking care of our bodies. And, you know, we only get one. So uh, my whole goal was I'm going to cook for her. I'm going to make it, you know, as nutrient rich as possible and then taking her to her doctor's appointments uh, we found out her Crohn's was in remission, um, you know, from her doctor. She said, oh, her Crohn's is in remission, which she was going there for general checkups and all types of other reasons. But we found out in that process, well, she just, you know, she's not showing any signs of Crohn's anymore. And that was only with a short time of, you know, changing diet and just eating fresh food. It seems so crazy. And I want to go back to something I mentioned earlier, which I didn't elaborate on, which was that documentary uh, the docu series with um, I don't remember the name, but it's with Zac Efron and and other guy. Um, oh yeah, we started watching that. What is the name of that? But Google it. Google it. <laughs> yeah, I, I started I started watching I started watching that. Then I just yeah, and, and and those guys really inspired me. And you know Zac Efron, you think Glee and and whatever. So um, I watched it kind of down to down yep. down to earth. That's it. Uh, so I watched it kind of with a grain of salt, like, oh, okay, what am I going to learn from this? Sure. But in one episode, they go to uh, Italy, and they're talking to the people in Italy, and um, Italy and Japan have the most centurions in the mm -hmm. whole world, which are yeah. people who live over 100, mm -hmm. and their diets are high-carb diets. They're not high-protein. They're not high-fats. They are high-carb diets. And it comes back to what we were talking about originally of, we need carbohydrates. We need to burn carbs as our fuel source. So we shouldn't be cutting carbs out. We should just be saying, okay, where can I get healthy, good carbs that my body can actually digest? So pizza's good. <laughs> as long as you're getting a good wheat source, right? Mm -hmm. If you get good wheat, good flour, that can contribute to a good pizza. Sure. Right? But yeah. if we're getting wheat that's been sprayed with all types of chemicals and then we grind in the flour, well, there's mm -hmm. going to be some trace... Uh, residue of those chemicals and and that um, interestingly enough has shown a lot of negative effects in the digestive system not just with the pesticides but plastic water bottles mm -hmm. right um, there's a huge area of research right now that's focusing on plastic and its effect on the gut microbiome okay. right so drinking out of plastics that stuff Plastics don't degrade they just break into smaller and smaller plastics sure. so if we're drinking that stuff it's going to end up in our gut and that can affect things negatively as well. So so back to my grandma, you know, I wasn't doing anything special or specific. I was just trying to cook fresh food, fresh veggies, high quality meats. Uh, you know, I even at some point was getting meat from a local market that would only sell grass fed meat. I mean, it was local. I would talk to the farmers who butchered the cow. 
Uh, and, and that's a huge part of, of what's wrong with with America and, and our whole diet information kind of, you know, it's everything is, is where's this stuff coming from and how do I understand, you know, do I understand this? How far from the source is it that I'm actually getting this stuff, right? If I can get stuff from you, I know you, right? Uh, my supply chain is local and it reminds me of that meme uh, uh, that I see that says, Grandma uh, survived the Great Depression because her supply chain was local. And it's a picture of an old woman just standing in her field with all of her crops, <laughs> right? Awesome. Her supply chain was herself, right? So the further we get away from the supply chain, the more room for error, right? Sure, sure. If I If I don't know who's supplying the product, well, that person has no reason to make that product quality. Sure. You know? Makes sense. So that, that's a big part of it, yeah. That's a big part of it. Stay local. Know who you're getting food from. Uh, you know, and one of those people can be me. Yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> I was just going to say. So you're you're local, and you have a produce company. And uh, how can if one is local listening to this, how could they find you? How could they buy your produce? Yeah, and uh, uh, number one, Instagram. Um, it's one of the only social medias I have. So again, at Science Gardener. Um, you know, uh, I try to take all the scientific information I've learned in the last 10 years. Right? I've been in school for like 10 years. So, it's <laughs> God, it's a struggle. Right? It's hard for me to even believe. But, um, you know, I'm still learning every day. And, and to take that knowledge and to apply it uh, sort of in a different field and, and sort of into plants, um, you know, that's everything for me. And if I can share that with other people uh, and motivate other people to be healthy, um, you know, and, and, and to eat well, and that, that's what I'm all about. So contact me on Instagram. You can message me directly, uh, again, at science gardener. Uh, we do local produce deliveries. Um, it is seasonal right now. It's about six months out of the year. Uh, we do biweekly produce delivery. So basically I do $25 a month and every two weeks you get a produce bag and that produce bag is full <laughs> it is way more than 25 dollars worth of produce so if you you know you go to your you know, so take advantage of this now before it gets really big and he has to start portioning out his delivery absolutely <laughs> which uh sad to say i've had to do already um but you know next season uh you know we're taking on a full new client base and again uh if the more people who sign up the more motivation i have to expand uh, so I'm all about that. Again, if I can supply nutrient-rich veggies to people and help them, whether it be through disease or just simply I want to boost diet, I want to boost exercise, boost nutrition, you know, that's what I want to do. And, and I believe you're at a local farmer's market. Is that also true? That is, yeah. I'm also at the Green County's farmer's markets on uh, Wednesdays. Okay. And where is that at? That is in downtown Fairborn, Ohio. Oh, okay. By yep. the by, the old Fifth Third Bank? Yep. Right okay. out there in the parking lot. Yeah. Okay. okay. Every two weeks, they have food trucks in the evenings. Uh, so uh, the first and the third uh, Wednesday of the month, they do a, a morning farmer's market from like 10 a.m. to 2. But the okay. second and the fourth Wednesday of every month, they do an evening farmer's market where it's from 2 to 7. And they do um, food trucks in, in coordination with it. So okay. uh, it's a good environment. Uh, you can come out and you know meet people, talk to people. And again, uh, my big thing is not making money or selling produce. That's not what I care about. Sure. If it is, sure. it wouldn't be what I'm doing. You know? Sure. Um, you know, because uh, getting this all started and getting this moving, I'm, I'm not making money, right? Um, a couple years in, you, you start all that. And, and again... My focus is, okay, I can invest a little bit in this, but in the long term, people who sign up are investing in themselves, mm -hmm. right? And that's it, what's most important, right? It's a lifestyle. It's, it's, it's a choice, and it's, um, it's just living healthy. It's a lifestyle, right? Again, I grew up in a small town where uh, Burger King and McDonald's was a treat to me. It was you know, normal to go get a chicken sandwich from Burger King, right? <laughs> And, and it's not like I don't eat any bad foods now. I will, but, uh, you know, but again, you got to eat more good stuff than the bad stuff. And, that, and that's the goal. Sure, sure. Well, Corey, thank you for being here and being the 
third-party guest here with, <laughs> with your outside input. No uh, pr- appreciate the input from your own personal experiences. Yeah, thank Thanks you. for being vulnerable and opening up about, about that. I hope somebody listening can gain something from that. Jordan, man, I'm so glad we made this happen. This was like our, what, our, our fourth reschedule? Hey, we, we made it happen, though. <laughs> Stuff happened. So, yeah, I'm th- I'm very grateful and very thankful uh, that, you, that you made it out. This was fantastic. Um, I hope we can build upon this. I would love to have you back. We can elaborate on uh, some of the topics. Hopefully this will go out and people will hear this and... I'll get messages. Maybe you'll get messages. Maybe Corey will get messages. Um, and we can maybe pinpoint some topics and subtopics that, you know, shed light on, you know, that, that touch people or that hit home. Um, I know I have a ton of more questions. I know I could uh, go on for another couple more hours because um, I'm interested in um, smoothies and things I can make for myself and um, we could have maybe a picky eater discussion other than just <laughs> what I'm mentioning and brushing over what I do eat, but, uh, we'll wrap this up for episode three. Um, episode four is scheduled a week from today. I have a, I have my high school mate coming on. Um, we're going to talk about his, uh, personal experiences with his own personal battle with Crohn's. Um, and maybe talk about some medications that he's tried that I've also tried. Um, until then, thank you to my awesome, very special, important guest tonight. Uh, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. And until next time, this was The Crohn's Corner. And I am Don Bagasino, a.k.a. The Crohn's Father. Shout out to Jordan Young, Corey Evans. We'll see you next time. No, but man, that's up. That's... That whole stress conversation, that was, that's very fucking interesting. That's Dude, very interesting. Stress is fucking, like, if you go and, like, a big part of research is, like, being able to design experiments. Yeah. If you study stress, you could be funded for the next 20 years. Because we don't fucking know. Because, again, no clue. if you do too much, it does this. If you do too little, it does the opposite. Right. And you're like, right. all right, how do I design an experiment to test the fucking small differences? Right. It's fucking crazy. Like yeah. Stress is absolutely it affects every... Yeah. Stress hormones can bind to every cell in your body. Yeah. And most hormones sense. can't do that. Yeah. Most hormones are very specific. Yeah. Not stress. Yeah. Stress is like fucking... Yeah.